What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Skip, Hill, and Andrew Barry. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by you, the wonderful people at Patreon. For real, thank you guys very much uh, for all your support. We're also brought to you by Strong Sports Nutrition in the UK, uh, True Nutrition in the US. Use our code THINK. And we are brought to you by SupplementSource.ca. We've got a topic for you today. We're going to knock out some listener questions. Skip. I'm leaving this to you. I mean, really, we're, we're thinking about, like, what can we call it? And we're thinking about, like, training volume, too much or not enough. I don't know exactly how we can package that up into a little YouTube title. That's as close as we've gotten so far. But you know, the reality is what? That not all body parts need to be trained the same amount all the time. Is that what we're getting at here? Yeah, I think there's this this antiquated understanding and, and i think sometimes we even fall into this mm -hmm. ourselves with our own training that as an example you hit you know using arbitrary numbers 12 sets of back so you know chest has to be slightly less than that at 8 to 10 or 10 to 12 and then shoulders have to be a little bit less than that and that there is some kind of unwritten rule as far as how many sets we have to do and I know I have been guilty of it myself, but sure. in dealing with a couple questions from clients over the last couple weeks, I found myself explaining, giving the same explanation, trying to get them away from that antiquated or archaic way of looking at things and train those body parts based on how mm -hmm. they on how those body parts recover and what they respond to. As an example, I could take quads and probably destroy them in six sets. That doesn't fit the kind of the set progression or the outline that you would think because legs you know a lot of times guys will hit the majority of their sets on legs and then maybe as many as back because it's a bigger muscle group and i think we tend to think well it's a bigger muscle group we need more sets yeah and i think it depends on there's so many variables there's the movement there's the type of training that you're doing the frequency of course things like that so I just thought it would be a good topic because I figured if I have, you know, anytime you guys know this, anytime you have a client come to you with something or you have a few clients, you think it's like that little, that dim little light bulb above my head goes off. And I go, Ooh, that might make for a really good yeah. topic on the show. Well, so I got questions we for you. I got questions for you. Okay. So six sets on legs, for instance, you said on quads. Now, has it always been that way or does it have to do with your, current ability to train like have you learned to train harder over time and, and, and before you answer that let me ask you this how long does that workout take you know because for say a newbie because i could see i'll tell you what man i could see that say 12 sets for everything sounds great to me for somebody who's never trained before they're getting in the gym and they need a they need a foundation right so if we start out with say 12 sets Maybe it evolves from there, but somebody who's never been in the gym before, I don't think they're going to get everything they need out of six sets. You know what I mean? Sure, absolutely. And for the record, I do more than six sets of quads just oh. because even though I might only need six, you know how it goes. <laughs> Sometimes the more is better and you throw in a couple more. Yeah, um, yeah. But, it, and you know, you bring up a good point, too, because it can sometimes change even if you have the same training style. There are just times where i guess what i'm getting at is you to be able to read that workout while you're doing it versus going in with this predetermined idea of what you have to get done mm 
And mm. I think that's probably the biggest point. But there are tons of variables. I mean, age is, is a huge one. And it's not even age from a chronological standpoint. It's how long have you been training? Because the longer you train, you tend to have that uh, basically a better ability to generate intensity. Yeah. As an example, let's say DC training is a good example where it's very, very low volume, but the intensity is very high. So think about it. If your sets are incredibly intense and they're high rep, I mean, how many Widowmakers can you do? Can you, can you take six sets of quads to failure at 20 reps? Tell me you're going to need more than six sets. I mean, I, the three of us alone would probably be throwing up going to failure when on six sets of and you ask about how long it takes i yeah. mean I, I only do about eight, maybe nine working sets okay and it'll take me i mean it'll take me an hour because again different variables for me yeah. i'm older i got sometimes i spend 20 minutes warming up for quads before I feel like in my brain, my knees are ready to go and I don't have to go into those working sets with this idea of, uh, can I, can I really go at a hundred percent? I have to program and get my brain ready to go because once you're in your working sets, you know, it's just basically your brain, you have to flip that switch. Your brain has to be basically in that mode of, I got to just, I got to get every single thing I can that I can get out of this set. Yeah. And you can't do that if psychologically you're not there. And I think it's difficult to go into the gym and go, oh, I did two or three warm-ups. Boom, I'm ready to go. I've been training for almost 40 years. I can't flip that switch that quickly. I have to build into it and almost build a confidence in my brain that, okay, now I'm ready to go. Let me ask you guys this. Have you ever been in a set before and it's your first working set and you're in four or five reps and you just rack it and get out and go, Sure. I'm not going anywhere with this. I need to go back in. I'm not there. I need to 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 flip that switch and i haven't flipped it yet sure absolutely sometimes you do it because either you've miscalculated the weight like either the weight's too light and you're like oh no this isn't going to be an empty Mm -hmm. the tank set like i can go up another 20 30 pounds or whatever it is and then other times you're like oh shoot like i overestimated where i'm at or what i can do today i don't have this in the tank to get the rep ranges that i'm expecting to get i need to drop it down a little bit so yeah i think it goes both ways there or I'm just not queued up enough. You know, I think that there's two things I'm warming up. I'm warming up, you know, obviously like the physical, the muscle, the joint, the connective tissue. And then I'm also kind of warming up my central nervous system. You know, it's like sure. you ever you ever lift a, a, a particular, you know, work set and you struggle for 10 and then you go in for your second set with the same weight and then you just rip it up off the floor. And it's like, oh, now the right. second set, it's like, you know what? I wasn't queued up enough in that first set and i think that the longer we train the more intensity we harness the more we can get out of the left out of the less the least or less i'm sorry and and i mean i know that for myself at like my ultimate best as of a couple of years ago you know my working sets for a chest press might be four for an entire workout but it still took me an hour plus to do that workout because i had to i had to warm up and then do feeder sets to get into it you know well, these are the well, explanations that what go ahead just because i don't think we clarified yet like you know working sets for yeah. example because you know i think early on someone writes you a program you're you're one year into training and it says four sets of eight to twelve and then next exercise you know four sets of ten to twelve or whatever it might be right yeah and i think 
what, what I'm getting at is here, like, what are we counting as working sets? Because I did legs today, mm -hmm. and I probably did a total of seven, what I would consider seven working sets, right? Okay. Whereas someone else might say, okay, well, you did three sets of eight before you did your working set on that hack squat. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'm not interpreting that as a set. For me, those are just acclimation. Those are, like, all the steps we're talking about, making sure my joints are working right, making sure my uh, nervous system is getting fired up each level uh, as we increase the weight. So I think like, there, and, and this comes with experience and it comes with time, right? Like you don't know this the first year you go to the gym. Very few people do. And yeah. I did, I obviously didn't know it. So I think it comes down to like, we need to really establish like what is a working set, right? And mine might be a little different than somebody else's. As an example, my working set's different from John, oh, differed, excuse me, from John's. John had this, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, but John had this thing where if it's more, if it's getting up into the area of 70 to 80%, then he's going to count the working set. I am way too black and white for that. And I train in a way that I don't count working sets unless they're everything I can get. So, if I open on hacks, Same. especially now, because I have this in my brain that my knee isn't 100%, even though it is, I will do six or eight sets of hacks before I'm ready to go. I have a, a pump where people would be taken off long before I do. But when two plates is feeling heavy until I get warm, and then I go to three, then I go to three and a half, and I go to four, then I'm ready to go. And again, you touched on this, Scott. It's not just warming up the physical component. It's the CNS. It's the warming up of your brain. It's getting your yeah. brain programmed as well. So where do you count those? And everybody will be different. But here's the important part. You can have different approaches to what the working sets are as long as it's consistent from workout to workout and week to week because you have to have the same way to measure the volume that you're using so figure out before you figure out at some point set the parameters as far as what your working sets are and then you know how to count them versus well that was kind of a warm-up that was not a warm-up this one's a warm that one's not yeah so like okay. i can't agree more so this comes down then so we're, we're looking at how many working sets do you need how do we figure that out skip because I, I mean I, I i'm all for starting with 12 you know or 10 or 9 or whatever and and i think anywhere in that range is a good place to say like okay have at it see how you do but then mm -hmm. what is see how you do what does that mean how do we figure out like did i need more did i need less right myriad of variables because then we can get into things like soreness and you know is soreness a gauge as far as uh, is it an accurate gauge as far as you know the stimulus to pro to produce growth uh, for progression and things like that. And we know that it's not yet at the same time, we all want to be sore to some degree after we're done training a muscle group, because that's some indication. I've always said that I think crippling soreness is very, very counter um, productive. Yeah. It, it is going to take a lot longer to recover. You should have a little bit of soreness. It should it should be there roughly at that 20 hour, 24 hour mark. Everybody's going to be a little different. And then it should peak at some point after that 30 hour and then it should start to dissipate relatively quickly the longer it hangs on if you hear someone say or if you're listening and you're thinking well my legs will be sore for three days my if a client tells me that i'm like you, you right there your volume and or intensity is just too high so it's a good idea to start with the parameters don't get me wrong but what what i don't think is a good idea and this is what i was trying to explain to my clients is you can't stay locked into those parameters as an example if you have destroyed 
a muscle group and you still are saying, well, I, but I still have two exercises to go or I have one yeah. exercise to go. No, you don't. Because then it becomes just wasted work and wasted work zaps you and basically de-optimizes, for lack of a better word, your recovery ability. You're tapping into your recovery ability at that point because you're doing work that isn't necessary. Or junk so there's a lot of very absolutely and i was thinking the same thing i just hate to say that word yeah. but i yet, like that you did what we understand i like that yeah. you didn't because you explained but, but the we same all know thing. what it means yeah hey what's up guys i'm going to do a quick impromptu ad for true nutrition so you know as i've mentioned before i've used true nutrition products long before they advertised with our programming and listen these are still the products i use today these are things all these things here these are things that i've bought with my own money and there's, there's more down here. So, you know, flat out, if I'm gonna buy a supplement, I buy these things from True Nutrition. I buy them with my own money. So for what it's worth, it's not just something that we're like taking money for an ad. These are all products that we believe in. Victoria bought this one. She uses the pea protein isolate. I prefer the Team Skip blend, but all this stuff, hydrolyzed beef collagen, I use this stuff every freaking day. So if you wanna support our programming and get some great supplements, Use our code THINK at True Nutrition. Yeah. yeah. So well, we all know what I it guess means, the, so it's the question is for label. somebody, I guess the question is, because I know we've all been there where, let's say we had a planner ahead, we were going to do four exercises for chest, right? Maybe two or three working sets per exercise. And we get to our third exercise, we do one set and we're like, I think my chest is good. Like, I think I accomplished everything I really wanted to accomplish today. Mm -hmm. But then how do you like override that? Well, but I was going to do four exercises. I'm doing less than I should be doing. How do we, I guess, how do we program that in? And how do we, I yeah. guess, coach clients with that? That's a good question. Right. I, I think the contractile force is a huge one. I, mm -hmm. a lot of people gauge their, their workouts and whether they're productive when they, whether they can do more work or do an extra exercise based on pump. And I don't think that's a very good idea because there are plenty of people. I'm one of those that I can do more work. And I can get a better pump because I'll get it in a different area of the muscle. I can destroy my legs, but if I haven't done something that's rectus femoris um, dominant, then I can go and I can get a better pump from doing sissy squats when I don't need to do that. There's been enough. You're looking for a stimulus and then you're looking to get your ass out of there. The stimulus for growth and then get out. You, it, here's even a better way to put it. There's the amount of work that is the stimulus that you need to provide for the adaptation to grow. And yeah. then there's the amount of work you can actually do. And the amount of work you can actually do is what we tend to focus on in the gym when that isn't where, well, I can do more. I don't know how, how many times have you heard clients say, but I just, I left, I felt yeah. like I could do more. It's not about what you feel like you can do. That's yeah. what gets us into trouble. And that's what starts to tap our recovery resources because being able to do the work, it, it, it again, it turns into, or has the potential to be again, junk volume for lack of a better label. And it is a good label because we all know what that means. Here's so what I would if think. you come away from a workout and you're ridiculously mm -hmm. sore, there, actually, you can even go the other. Well, let me stop because I this is what I do. I end a sentence or I cut myself off. But if you're ridiculously sore, that's an indication right there that your volume is too high. So you can cut it back from there on the next session and see. There's also the component of if you're not sore at all and you there's no there's no 
Uh, and then you have to weigh that out with the progression. Did you come back the next time you go in and train that muscle group and there was progression? If you're not sore and you come back in and you're able to progress. Yeah. I mean, look, increasing strength within bodybuilding rep ranges is progression. It's a micro gauge or a tool to be able to tell in the very, very short term whether you're growing. There's no one out there who's going to get stronger within bodybuilding rep ranges and not be producing hypertrophy you can get stronger in powerlifting bodybuilding rep ranges and arguably not produce hypertrophy but not it's not going to happen in bodybuilding rep ranges to answer andrew's question one of my thoughts would be how do you know to stop early would be it's easy for me if i'm doing progressive overload because Mm. i may do a top set back off set i know it's really popular now I really like that. But let's say I do that and let's say I get everything I can. I can ask myself, can I go back in and do what I just did again? Like, am I going to be able to achieve that again? And if I'm not, then I know that, okay, then I'm going to hit a back offset. I'm going to call it good. And that back offset is probably going to be like reduce 10%. When when, when, um, Jordan was writing um, our plans for a while, for like six months or so, that's what he had suggested was drop 10%, you know, if, if you can't get that again and, um, and and get as many reps as you can. And I like that. I like that back offset because now there's just a little bit less weight so you can control it even more. You know what I mean? Like you can really feel like I am going to own this. And then you get to rep four and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. you're using even more control than before. And I know by the time I'm done with that set, like, OK, I'm good to move on from here. Yeah, I always prefer the back offset versus the top set because I feel like you've yeah. you've heightened your level of neurological awareness to to what your your mind and muscle have completely like talked and they've completely I guess amplified to the top level. Now you're bringing it back down a little bit and just like you said Scott, you can exercise slightly better control yeah. and then you can just really feel the sets with more uh yeah, feel the set with totally more agree. repetitions. Totally, I agree. always enjoy yeah. the back offsets better than the top sets. Hmm. Top sets, you're kind of like I go because so, oftentimes with the top set, you're using a little bit more weight than you ever had before. So there's that little bit of fear in your head of like, okay, don't hurt anything, don't tear anything, don't you know what I more mean? More stress, yeah. But a little bit more stress mentally. Yeah. Okay, you know you've already hit that top set, so now we're backing off just a little bit, and now we can just kind of go along for the ride and really feel it. And the dumbbells might only be five pounds lighter, you know, but you're yeah. or ten pounds right. lighter. But you do, you mentally you're like, Okay, I got this, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. you get two more reps the other and you way. trained it much harder. Mm-hmm. I don't like back off sets. <laughs> Why not? That's great. And I, I'm apparently <laughs> I'm very proud of myself that I am the odd man out this time. Okay. I'll tell you why. Because my training is a little bit different because uh, which is not to imply that you guys aren't you know, worried about injury and and things too. I'm just probably a little bit more worried about it. So my first set, my working set, and I do this right now. I do two working sets per exercise is typically what I do. If I get in and it's just, I'm in what I call the green room. That's a surfer reference of riding the perfect wave and everything, you know, nothing could be better with the set than I'm out in one, but it doesn't happen very often. But I, my reps on my first working set, I almost always am shooting for 15. Does not matter what it is. So that allows me to increase the weight. Sometimes I'll stay. It just depends on the feel for that day. Sometimes I'll stay at the weight, but if I I allow myself the room to increase from there, and if my reps happen to drop, I'm not 
as prone to having an injury or a tweak because I'm pretty damn warm and I've already hit that same movement intensely, pretty much to failure. And when I say pretty much to failure, I go until I'm not going to, I can't get another rep. I know full well I'm not going to get another rep with yeah. the form that I, that I expect. Someone out there may think, well, you don't know until you try. And my argument, Whoa. on the one hand, I would say, okay. On the other hand, I would say I've been training for a, a long time. I'm pretty damn sure that I know that I'm not going to get another rep. When the last rep well, takes you're five seconds to complete. <laughs> you're ensuring that you're going to be able to lift another day, though, too, with that mentality. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. By avoiding, yeah. by doing something that maybe we would have done when we were younger that we would probably consider not so smart today, you're ensuring that right. you're going to be able to continue bodybuilding longer term. And I think we got to take that into yeah. the equation, especially when you're north of 30, 35. Yeah. And let me ask you guys this. If you know you're getting your last rep, I try to explain this to clients sometimes. And if they're new, relatively new uh, people to bodybuilding and to working out, they, I don't think they really grasp this, but people who have trained for a long time, they get this. If I know it's my last rep, I'm pacing it and I'm slowing it down. Mm -hmm. I will take it. So I'll be halfway. And I'll be like, oh yeah. And I'll take that as slow as I can take it. Finishing the, the last half. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The yeah. last half or the last two thirds of the rep. And I, I said that assuming that you, you guys did the same thing. Yeah. You'll see like somebody who does that last rep at say dumbbell press and the negatives, they just drop them. You know, I would yeah. rather yes. take that negative and get as much out of it as you can. Sure. You know? Oh yeah. It, would you say it might even be considered your best rep if someone was observing you? Uh, it like would I'm certainly be slower form. because that is a that's something that if someone were to watch a set of mine, the form will the first rep will always look like the last rep that I've always yeah. said, other than speed and tempo. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm whipping them out to begin with, but they do. They get slower as I go than the last one or two. There might be a breath in there and they're moving mm -hmm. slower. Anybody who would see me in a set would think, I didn't think he was going to get that last rep. I don't think anybody would say, I think he had another one in him. Yeah. And that's the mm -hmm. reason in slowing it down. And there's one more thing I want to add that I think is important because I, I cut myself off earlier when I was talking about the pump. A lot of people gauge the pump when what you want to gauge is the muscular contraction. If you're mm. starting to lose the ability for that muscle to contract, you're just point. on borrowed time. You're, yeah. you're, you're just wasting it. So then the question becomes, well, what does that mean? Contract that muscle. If it's your chest, crunch your chest. Together. If it's not contracting, like you're just trying to contract it and it just feels, even though it's pumped, it feels soft and there's not a strong contraction. You don't have much left. Yeah, there's just not going to be much left in there. Another uh, indicator that is very black and white is if you're benching and you're at seven or eight reps and you feel like, oh, I can get three or four more. And you literally all of a sudden can barely get one. Mm -hmm. There's your sign. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. And and if you're not able to flex and contract anymore, that's a sign, too, that your set's about over. Right. Like at that yeah. point, you know, if you because because there comes a point like then I, I, I also get asked this. I get asked like, well, how do I know what failure really is? And I feel like failure is when I can't use the target muscle to move the weight anymore. And and you might want to let it slip that last couple reps, you know, like, OK, I feel I'm getting more, you know, triceps out of this or, you know, I I feel I'm getting more shoulders out of this. You might be able to get a little bit more of that, but I'm really going to I'm going to try to keep it in that target muscle as much as I can for at least like 
we'll say eight out of 10 reps, you know? Oh yeah. Yep. Let, let me add in another layer to this, you know, cause we talked about like, you know, a basic, I think we threw out 12 repetitions per body part or sorry, 12 sets per body part. Right. Yeah. As like a blanket, maybe first time kind of thing. How do we program say we're more advanced or so we have someone that's more advanced. Let's say they've got a crazy back and, but their shoulders are really weak or they've got a really good chest and their shoulders are really weak. How do we taper the volume? Let's say if they're doing a push day to use the chest and shoulders as an example, how would we taper volume? But like if their chest is superior and we're talking like, it's like uh. a grade a, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger type chest, but their deltoids, especially their front deltoids are just kind of lacking. How would we maybe, would we try to optimize and maybe change volume and, and, and even frequency of training during the week, um, you know, to, to address that body part? I got something. Well, I, I'll go for it. I'll I was just going to say, cause I, in the last few years, I've really gotten more interested in frequency and let's take a guy who is say he has exceptional legs you know that guy. He's got crazy legs and then up top, like lower body, looks like he's a really good light heavyweight, maybe even a heavyweight. And upper body looks like a middleweight. That guy, and he, he's probably like really nasty in the gym on his leg day too. Like he's doing everything. You know, like his leg day, he lives for. I'll, I might, if we're say doing, like we might only train lower body once a week then, but maybe like a push, pull legs, push, pull, repeat type program for instance you know just giving an example of how we might do less volume for legs because we you know like skip brought up the you know the idea of we only have so much recovery you know if we're giving a lot of recoverability to lower body when we don't need to we could potentially be taking away from being able to to train upper body like uh andrea watson for instance you know she mm -hmm. was in powerlifting before she got into bodybuilding then she competed in figure. Her back was a really good body part. Then she moved to bikini and she really didn't need to train back so much anymore. In fact, like for most of your back poses, they're just looking at your glutes. Like your hair is literally, literally which kind of irritates me, Andrew. I feel like they should push their hair out of the way and show the, the back. But I guess that's a different podcast. I'd like to see the yeah. back muscle. But that said, we shifted away from back training because she really needed to grow glutes. She really needed to grow lower body. So it's like, why put a bunch of effort into back training? And in her case, we literally had her doing like a couple back exercises per week in order to give more recovery to the lower body. To that point, I've got a guy. So I'm race through oh, it. Oh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, no, just go to kind of echo it. that, I've got a guy who up in Alaska, his quads are wacky. I mean, they're wild, right? turns around from the back the hamstrings are kind of lacking yeah. so we literally do not have any quad focused work in his programming we pulled it out about i want to say eight or ten months ago and his quads have not come down at all are we they do, we do leg workout yeah so you're still doing compound movements but but with hamstring everything focus, is biased right? everything is biased towards hamstring so, if so we're you doing know a, a leg press yeah, you know that, that his quads are still getting activated i guess i just wanted to throw that in there you know they are but you i'm know saying what I mean? we have in terms They're of not foot get position, lost. in terms of exercise selection, everything is made. The decision is made for exercise selection based off his hamstrings. Yeah, and he's yes, yeah. he's absolutely still getting a little bit of quad, but there is he hasn't done a leg extension in yeah. probably two years. Yeah. He hasn't done a close stance on anything. Two in years, probably two or three. Oh, I'm telling you, man, like his quads are like wacky. Like yeah. he's got like almost pro level quads, and I think if he was training them right now, they. It, it would be it would be one of those like um, trying to think of an example. It almost looked like when you see some of those guys that really juice their arms up with um, like the uh, oil and stuff. Yeah, 
but they got like they, they don't train their chest they don't train like anything else so they just got these huge arms or or they juice up their chest and they don't train anything else it's almost like that and it's pretty wild but yeah just i just wanted to echo your point um which is kind of funny because he loves training legs too of right course. because yeah he, he, obviously oh, yeah. it's a good body part he wants to see him full of blood but yeah anyway. it probably feels good too like you know what you get that awesome connection there's a reason that muscle is big you know what i mean he's getting mm-hmm. an awesome connection to him so yeah or he picked his parents really well. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from work ethic. I'm just saying sometimes we are gifted with a really good body part. That oh, he's we just gifted. for whatever reason. Don't well, for sure. Try. Okay, for sure. But yeah. also then if you have that good body part, man, they feel good. They feel good. To sure. Train, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Both things can be true. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. As, That's a good point. As we were talking about what legs, I was... my hamstring started cramping like crazy because I trained legs just two and a half hours ago. And I don't know if you guys saw and me. You still move, have but I'm to like, sit on them. Yeah. Uh, The one thing I was going to add as far as, uh, well, let's just say this. One of the first things I would do with someone who is struggling with a body part is I'm going to look at what they're, and I think you guys would do the same thing. You're going to look at what they're already doing. So as an example, and I tend to, I tend to err on this side first. I have found in my experience that a lot of times when a muscle isn't growing well for a client, whether they're, they've been with me for a while or they have just come to me. Nine out of 10 times, they're overtraining it because they've already come to the conclusion that it's not, they didn't need to talk to me to figure out that it wasn't growing. They've been battling with it. And nine out of 10 times, nine and a half out of 10, closer to 10, people tend to add more work as bodybuilders, We more is better. Sure. So if it's not working, I'm going to train it with more volume. Oh, that's not working. So I'm going to train it more frequently. When in reality, what you might be doing, and this happens sometimes when people have weak body parts, that body part doesn't recover as quickly. So what you're doing is counterproductive by increasing the volume, increasing the frequency or in intensity, frequency or volume. So the first thing I like to do, unless they're just doing very infrequent training, uh, low volume, training is I'm, I'm going to pull back. I'm going to pull back and see if resting the muscle actually allows it to finally grow and the recovery is starting to get optimized. Arms are a good example. I don't, I don't know how many times I've heard clients say, well, I just, I do, I've done everything for my arms and this is what I'm doing and I just can't get them to grow. And then I change to tra- having them train arms every other week, which is very difficult to get somebody to do when they have lagging arms, especially a guy, because, you know, we want good arms. We want good everything. The yeah. arms is just one of those things. And then it takes a little while, it takes a few weeks. And then they go, well, yeah, I am up, you know, five pounds, which is another point. When you progress with arms, you don't jump very much. Your strength doesn't go up a lot. You're not seeing these obvious progressions like you do with bench squat dead. So pulling back sometimes helps too. But my point is just that I will take a look at what they're doing and sometimes literally do exactly the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, man. You got anything else on that one, Andrew? No, I think we covered it. I mean, we, we, the three of us could sit around and talk about training and scenarios for <laughs> three, four or five mm-hmm. hours. Right. I mean, yeah. before we even get on the show, we, we we're talking about different training things like this. We should actually turn the, turn the recording on before we even start right. because we cover like six different training topics of our own, but right. uh, no, I think we covered, 
think we covered the volume frequency kind of thing um, pretty well. All right, cool. Well, let's wrap this episode up, guys. We're doing multiple episodes a week now, so stay tuned for more. Go to bodyberry.com to reach out to Andrew, teamskip.com, hit skip up for coaching there, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. I'm not taking clients for the moment, but I will by the time this episode comes back out. I took like three weeks off from taking new clients with all the travel, but things are back to normal. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Thank <laughs> you.